like Cameron was talking about, you know, I mean, I struggled with that and struggled with that and struggled with that rejection, rejection, rejection. It, 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 wasn't, it was not a happy place for me. But you know what? Once it was settled, I never struggled again. In other words, the struggle is not forever. You don't struggle with it and then say you're delivered and then you struggle with it again and you struggle with it again. No, that's just you're putting it away from you and you think you've got it fixed. The only way to get that fixed is at the altar. The only way to get that fixed is, is a change in your heart that, 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 that you know what? It doesn't matter what anybody thinks about me. God made me this way for a reason, for a purpose, and I'm going to find out what it is. I don't care who or what anyone thinks about it. Don't, don't struggle with it. Get somewhere and then struggle again and then get over it and then struggle again. And I'm, Trust me, I've, I've seen this over and over and over. The thing that people struggle with the most is rejection. You know why? Everybody's been rejected. Some people just take it a little more personal than others. And some of them, some of them have a, a lifetime of rejection. How many of y'all ever had the perfect older brother or older sister? How many of y'all did? I had one of each. And I was so, so different than they were, if you know what I mean. You know, and uh, my dad didn't care. He didn't think I could do anything wrong. As long as I got on that baseball field. That's all, you know, he, he, lo he loved watching watch me play baseball. My mother, that woman, oh, Lord. I didn't get over, I mean, I lived a life of being rejected by her till I was probably 40 years old, you know. But it's not an issue anymore. It's not an issue to me. Actually, it helped form who I am today. Everything that happens that's bad to you is not necessarily a bad thing for you in the long run. Sometimes it's the thing that you need the most. Well, we don't want to preach on that today. Okay? <laughs> How many of y'all want to see this church full in two, three, four services? I do. I want to go to two before I go to four. But, you know, but why? For church attendance so that we can say we've grown and we've done this and we've done that? No, because the only way to judge a church's effectiveness is through soul winning, period. Whoever, whoever, you, you, can, you can have a good prayer life, you can have a good... You know, praise and worship and all of that stuff. But if you're not soul winning, you're not doing the last thing that Jesus told you to do before he went to heaven. We can build orphanages, colleges, Bible schools, churches, everything we want to. None of that is what we were told to do. We just do it because it's the right thing to do, right? What we were told to do is to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And that was not just to the disciples. That was to Christianity as a whole. That was to every member of the body of Christ. If you're not a soul winner, something's wrong with your soul. If, you, if, if, 
If you realize what you have been delivered from, you will want everybody to have what you have. That's how we judge our, our, our successful successfulness, I guess you would say, in Christianity. And it's not easy. Whoever told you that Christianity was easy is lying. They're probably not a Christian because if they're a real Christian, I'm telling you, it's tough. It's tough. The world don't like you. Hollywood hates you. Everything you believe in, they don't believe that there is a God. They don't believe there's a God that you can talk to. They don't believe there's a God that can talk back. Do you remember when Donald Trump was president and he had had a vice president named uh, Pence, right? He said he talked to God every day. They crucified him on the air. I mean, every news channel out there, oh, my gosh, our vice president's hearing voices from, uh, from somewhere else. They hate you. You're... We've got to learn to deal with rejection. No, we need to learn to accept rejection. We're supposed to be rejected. We shouldn't struggle with rejection in our lives. Why? Because we are created to be rejected by humanity. (laughs) You get it, don't you? That's what you're here for. You're going to be rejected nine times, but the one time that it's accepted by what you say, that's success. You've won a soul. You've been rejected by nine, but that tenth one. Jesus even said 99, right? And he went after the one. It's not a metaphor. It's a fact. That's our job. Amen? Amen? Okay, okay, okay. Go to my first scripture, 1 John 3, 8. This is, uh, I love this scripture. He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. God was tarted off in it. For this purpose, the Son of God was, made, was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. So this is God's, this is Jesus' job on this earth, correct? So what should your job be? Is it any different? He's supposed to be our example. He's the one we live our life according to the way his life. We take on his name. We take on his identity. We're supposed to have the same goals and same thing that he has, correct? So what's your job? 1 John 3, 8, your job. Destroy the works of the enemy. Ephesians 2, 10 tells us another thing, reason we were created. Created for good works, amen, right? So if we're created for good works, created to destroy everything the devil puts into motion... We're also created for worship. Why? Because if you're going to take on the devil, you're going to get you're going to get slapped around from time to time. Just the way it, it's just the way it works. You're not called to comfort; you're called to conquer. We're not called to 
comfort we're called to conquer. I just figured I would get a better response if I turned around. <laughs> oh. The holy, well, destroy the works that I wrote this down. I'd love, I'd like to destroy the works of the devil. Our life should be filled with fighting the devil and utterly destroying his works. Why are we here? For that reason. Why did God send you here? For that. You don't, there, there's not some big hidden explanation or plan for your life that God's trying to hide from you. It's all right here. Destroy the works of the devil. Create, do good works. Live a life of worship. Why, why is all that important? Because if you're going to stand face to face, if you're going to fight for someone's soul, you're going to fight the devil, you better live a life of worship, which you're created to do as well. Why? Because you can't win unless you are close to God. You are in a, in a place of constant worship. You're in a place that you can get things done. Why? Because you're in a place of worship. God inherits the praise of his people. And then you come in and you worship him, which is what you're created for, to charge you up to do the other things you're created for, which is to do good works. It's a simple process, correct? It should be very simple to us. But why don't we see people living in it and walking in it on a day, day by day, day by day? Why? Because they've become comfortable with the life that they have on earth even though they're not from here. We're created for good works here in a place that's not our home. You are a missionary. Every, if you are a human being, you're a missionary because you're not of this world. You may be sent here for a short time in history, a short time in the span of time, but this is not your home. This is not where you're going to reside forever. You're not made that way. Huh. Okay, here we go. Christians are not called to comfort, they're called to conquer. I said, yeah, okay. I was in the military and I was assigned to kind of an elite group. Not that I was elite or anything. I was just assigned to an elite group. I was a, the... the I barely got in one of those kind of deals, you know. And uh, so when we were not called to arms, in other words, called to do our job, what did we do? Nothing? No. We trained every day. 50-pound backpack on your back. You run a, do a five-mile run in it before you, before you have breakfast. Why? Because what you do is serious, and you better be prepared for it when it comes. Right? You go to the pistol range two, three times a week sometimes. When I was not on duty, I was practicing my duty. I was training my duty. I had, we would do sparring, hand-to-hand -hand combat, Making sure that if anybody got shot in a crowd, it was me, not someone else. That's what I was trained for. 
Why? I was trained over and over and over and the same thing over and over and over and over again. And I only had one instance where I had to use any of it. But you know what? It was perfect. Why? Well, second nature to me. Why? Because when you train and you practice and you practice and you practice, you know, nobody spent more time in a batting cage than I did when I played ball. Nobody. Nobody. Nobody's going to out-practice me. And as I became a and later when I became a Christian, nobody's going to out-train me to win people to Jesus. Nobody. That's my choice. So I'm going to train. How many people have ever been to a soul winning class? How many? Oh. You know what the best thing to do? Is go buy a book called Soul Winning by a man named T.L. Osborne. It's one of the best books ever written. And it's simply soul winning. What your job is on this earth is soul winning. And we have not been properly taught how to do it. That book tells you everything that you need to know. I remember years and years and years ago, oh, guy, like 2002, that's how, yeah, long time ago. Uh, Rob and I were going to Papua New Guinea. We took 19 um, um, students from Christ for the Nations as their internship program. They get to go with us to Papua New Guinea, and then they got to graduate. That was their internship. They spent three weeks with us in Papua New Guinea. And uh, every one of them got malaria. Every stinking one of them. Uh, um, none of them died. They were all, all okay. They just were very, very sick for, for a while. But anyway, we fly from Dallas to Los Angeles, and we're at LAX, and they're all sitting there, and they said, well, we got a long layover. What do we do? I said, come on, let's go to the bar. They looked at me like, What are you talking about, Pastor? I said, come on, I want to teach you something. And so I'll go into the bar in uh, Los Angeles or LAX airport. <laughs> and I led a waitress to the Lord in LAX in a bar. And I said, that's what we do with our spare time. Showed them how to do it. I said, this is our leisure time. We're waiting on a plane to go fly across the Pacific Ocean. While we're here, let's just lead somebody to the Lord. Well, how about that? That's our spare time. Boy, man, 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 man. They appreciated it a lot more than you guys did. I promise. <laughs> Go to 1 Corinthians 9. Marveling. This is the Apostle Paul. Okay? This is what he said. He said, Do you not know that those who run in a race... Every single one of them are running. Why? 
but one receives the prize. In other words, one finishes first. Everybody else are losers. That's not what it said, but that's what it means. Run. <laughs> it should say that. Bunch of losers. You got a winner. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for a prize is temperate in all things. Now they do obtain a perishable crown. But we, who's he talking about? As Christians, but we for an imperishable crown. Once something is not going to go away. Therefore, I run thus. Not with uncertainty. In other words, I know where I'm running. I know what pace I'm going to have. I know who's in front of me. I know who's behind me. I am training. I run not with uncertainty. I fight not as one that beats the air. In some cases, it says wildly beats the air. You're not out there, you're not out there training to do something that's not going to be effective. You're praying for something that will be affected. But I discipline whose body? My body. I don't ask God to discipline my body. My body is under my subjection. It's under my authority. I, I have to, when Ginger, we're laughing about it this week, looking at the pictures. We, we rafted down the Zambezi River. And it was a tough, it was a tough, it was tough. There were F5s and F6s. In the United States, you can't even do F5s or F6s. You can't even go through them. <laughs> yeah, we'll go. And, you know, and it was tough. You hear me? It was tough. But I, 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 learned, out, I learned something. I looked at Junior and I said, listen to me. I'll be back and I'll do this, but I'll be in shape. Why? Because my body has got to be under subjection if I'm going to do what I need to do to reach people around the world. I'm not, Ginger's never done it again. She's, she's, <laughs> there's, there's one picture, man. I'm, I'm on the front of the boat, you know, and we're hitting this wave and the boat's up like this. And I'm, you know, trying to paddle and, and, you know, going this way, and I'm, it's a cool picture. I wanted to get it, but I don't want to do it because it shows Ginger in the back of the boat facing the other direction, holding on. <laughs> Crying. <laughs> it was so cold. Oh, my God. Wasn't it, Tiffany? Woo! It was a lot of fun. But I realized something on there. You know what? If I'm going to lead these people here and they want me to go on these things with them, I have to subject my body. I have to discipline my body to do the best job I can possibly do. But the thing is, I'm in a spiritual battle as well. My spirit man has to be stronger If you're going to be in spiritual warfare, you better train. You better, you better know every piece of armor that you have and how to use it. Why? Because when you start to win souls, the devil comes at you. And the church has just said, you know what? 
I'd rather not fight with him. As a whole, not us, but I'm telling you as a whole. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to be critical, but my goodness. We have to be soul winners. Have to be. That's what we're called here for. That's what we're here for. Jesus sent you here for that purpose. And when you go and back and see him again, because you're going to have to make an account of everything you did and everything you didn't do, correct? And if that's the way that he judges Christianity, how many people have we led to the Lord? You know, and, 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 and let's say 85, year, 85 years, let's say 85 years of your life. All 85. I'm just, I just pulled a number out of the air. I don't want to live past 85. People say, I want to live to be 100. Not me. Oh, God. I've seen some 100-year-old people. I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> you know, 85, I'm cool. I, come, come get me. I'd have, I'd have signed a contract for 60 when I was 18, I promise you. And I'm 60, I'd, I'd sign one for 85. Philip Baker said, Paul, we're going to be in our 90s preaching the gospel. I said, not me. I won't be. You may be. I won't be. I don't want to be here at 90. But our whole life, our whole thing, everything that, everything that we've been assigned to do is to, to win souls, to build a church, to destroy the works of the devil, all of these things. When we get to heaven... We're going to make an account for that short little time in history, that little 85 years, let's say, to find out what you did. How many people did you lead to the Lord? Four. In 85 years? I don't think God's going to have the same sarcasm that I have, but it's going to carry a lot more weight than what I do. Four in 85 years? Oh, my word. And you're proud of that. Remember, you're going to get... Oh, this is a good one. The man has to be more than the message. In other words... Talks cheap. War costs something. A battle costs something. A war costs, a fight costs something. It costs your energy. It costs your time. It costs something. There's a price to be paid. You know, Christianity is free. No, salvation is, not Christianity. Don't get that don't get that mixed up. Christianity requires participation. Yes, right. Don't you dare. Don't you dare think it doesn't cost. And then and I feel guilty about saying salvation's free because I see the priest price that Jesus paid for it and I wouldn't have done it for y'all. <laughs> I'm just being honest. How many of y'all would have done it for me? Just throw your hands up. Let's see how many. It, yeah, not a one of you. Except for Brittany. 
Brittany wouldn't have been tortured and put on the cross for me. Yeah. I wouldn't have done it for you. <laughs> Ooh, I've been like Peter. Brittany who? I don't know no Brittany. Cock-a-doodle-doo. Dang it, Brittany's going to be mad. <laughs> In other words, I can sit up here and I can preach at you all day long. But what I do carries more weight than what I say. You've got to be more than the message. There has to be a life lived behind that, not just full of words, but full of action. Has to be. Has to be. Is it going to hurt? Yeah, it is. It's not, like I said, Christianity is not for sissies. If you do it right, you're going to get slapped around from time to time. I'm just saying. Well, no, no, you know, that... Now, God wants to bless me. God, the blessing of God is Him working through you, not Him giving you something. The blessing of God is salvation. The blessing of God is... A, the blessing of God, I'm just going to say it, the blessing of God is, does not begin with Mercedes Benz. All right? It just doesn't. It comes from being used by God. And let me tell you, it costs... Oh, man, I don't know if I ought to do this one. I may need somebody to come up here and look at it and see if I should or I shouldn't. Dorothy's not here. All right, since Dorothy's not here, I'll say it. Um, <laughs> would we fight for what we believe or would we just be willing to die for it? How many people... If a gunman came in, if you stand up and say you're a Christian, I'm going to shoot you. How many of you would stand up? I would. Absolutely. That's a, that's a first-class ticket to heaven right there. Bam. Yeah, I'm right here. I'm first. Oh, oh. That's the easy way home, but living for it every day is different. It's a lot harder than taking a bullet. We've got people right now say, the rapture's coming, look up, look up, Biden's crazy, the whole world's coming to me. This is not the craziest time in history. You, know, you do realize that, right? World War II, there's 60 million people died. No. World War II, 60 million people. A lot of civilians, too. A lot of civilians. But this is not the craziest time in history. It's not time, you're not looking for Living for some, something, you're wanting to die for something. Why? Well, Jesus died for us so that we, we, we can die for him. Yeah, but you know what? He defeated death. And so can you through what he did. I'm just going to read this to you. I think I've got a million more points, and I just don't think I need to do them. I just got to find this one scripture, and I can't. Figure out where it's at. No, not I'm going to do two more. Go to Second Samuel eleven. I forgot about this. The first chapter. I mean the eleventh chapter of the first verse. This is about talking about David. It happened in the spring of the year. At the time when kings 
Go out to battle. And David sent Joab and his servants with him and Israel, and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David remained in Jerusalem. What happened while he was... When, in the spring of the year, when kings go to war, David sent somebody else in his place, and he stayed home. So what happened in that chapter? He goes up on the roof one night, defying his own decree, and he sees this hot-looking woman across on another rooftop taking a bath, and her name was Bathsheba. So what happened? When he was... When he should have been at war, he was at leisure and got into sin, and it cost him his child's life. He ended up falling into murder, falling into adultery. Why? Because he wasn't making war when he was supposed to be. That's a picture of Christianity today. We're sending somebody else in our place to get the job done, and we're staying back and we get into problems. I'm saying we because of me. Because... <laughs> Like I said, some people don't think pastors have struggles, but your pastor does. The battle is yours alone. It's nobody else's fight. Well, you know what? I'm not called to that. I'm called to... to, to... No, 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 no. You're called to the world. That's why you're in the world. That's who you're called to. Every single person in it. You can't be just called. Okay, I'm called to, to, to be on the hospitality committee and the cupcake committee. I'll, I'll just put it to you like this. I don't know anybody that loves, that makes better cupcakes than Jody. But that's not all she does. That's not what I know. That's not how I, when I think of Jody, I don't think of cupcakes. I think of a godly woman that gets things done. Your job is what you're paid for. Your call is what you're made for. And you're called to souls. Amen? Oh, man. Oh! Go to 2 Corinthians 11. This is so cool. This is so cool. This is, the, if, if, you want to, if you want to look at somebody in the Bible other than Jesus to mold your life after, the Apostle Paul is my mark. Him and Peter. Man, you go to Africa and everybody, hey, what's your name? Peter. What's your name? Paul. What's your name? Peter. What's your name? Paul. And when they get saved, they change their names to a scriptural name. And they're all Peters, Pauls, and Abrahams. All over, the, all over the country, you know. But anyway, this is Paul. And this is Paul talking about his life and the joy of Christianity. Okay? This is his, the joy of Christianity. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors, more abundant in stripes above measure, in prisons frequently, in deaths often. 
from the Jews five times I received 40 stripes minus one. In other words, when Jesus got, he got the 39 stripes, Paul got that five different occasions in his life. That's nuts. Most people don't live through it. He lived through it five times. 25. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. One night and day I was spent in the deep. Go on. In journeys often, perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren. In weariness and toil and sleeplessness, often I hunger and I thirst in fastings, often in cold and nakedness. Besides the other things, what keeps upon me daily my deep concern for the churches because I don't see them getting anything like what I got. He even goes on later in the chapter and he said, this is the only thing I will boast of about my, is above my infirmities. Not about my, he, he went on and he said, I'm not going to boast about my successes. I'm going to boast about what I took for the kingdom's sake. If you remember, when he got blinded on the road to Damascus, Jesus said, told him, he said, I want you to go down to Straight Street and I want you to say, go, go down there and there's a place for you there. So he went to Straight Street. So, so the Holy Spirit came to Ananias and I want you to go down to Straight Street. There's a guy there named Paul or Saul. And I'm showing him everything he must suffer for my name's sake. He didn't say prosper for my name's sake. Paul, he said suffer for my name's sake. And all the things that he suffered were the things that he bragged about. Hey. He didn't talk about he's the only man. He wrote more of the Bible than any man in history. Didn't talk about all that. He didn't talk about the three and a half years he spent in the Sahara Desert with Jesus teaching him everything that he needed to know to write 14 books of the Bible. He brought about, he bragged about the things that cost him something. That cost him something. So, let me just get out of this. Well, how do we get to that place? How do we get to that place where we're soul winners? I'll make a deal with you. Me, and Jody, and Devin, and everybody else in this church, I'll make a deal with you. You don't have to be a soul winner. Just never come to church by yourself again. If you get them here, we'll get them saved. If you care about them, you get them here. Jody and Devin will put them on a prayer list. I mean, my gosh, you, the, the, the prayer team, the things that are happening in there, it's just, I mean, it sounds like science fiction. 
seven or eight year old murder solved because some lady asked them to pray about it. And less than a month after they started praying about it, they found them. That kind of stuff you don't hear about. Right? It's actionable. It is, it, it is something that goes on on a daily basis. Why? Because we believe in the power of prayer. We believe in what we're doing. But what we need to do, we need to get folks to church so that they can get saved, so they can get filled with the Holy Ghost, so that they can be the next whoever. That's all we have to do. This thing is not, pure Christianity is not for the faint of heart. If it embarrasses you too much to ask somebody to go to church with you, oh my gosh, you don't, you're in the wrong game. Just be, go be a Buddhist or a Hindu. Hindus believe, you can do anything if you're a Hindu, except kill a cow. Christianity's not for sissies. It's for t- people that take it serious. They're tough people. Stand on your feet. If that's you, if that's you.